G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. The series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. We are in the home stretch of the Gospel of John. And this particular lesson is called Thomas Doubts No More. Jesus made his first appearance on resurrection evening to his disciples. He clearly demonstrated it was him, the same one that suffered and died on the cross, risen again from the dead and never to die again. The only thing is that Thomas himself was not present at that event. So what happens is the disciples tell Thomas when they see him next, we have just seen the Lord, but he doesn't believe. He says, I have to have proof. Show me. I have to not only see his nail-pierced hands, I have to touch them for myself, as well as touch his side where the spear pierced him. And if I don't see these things, I'm just not going to believe. So this lesson is called Doubting No More. Thomas is going to see for himself that Jesus really is alive again. So Thomas Doubts No More is based on John chapter 20, verses 26 to 31. I want to read to you a couple of verses here. Let's start with verse 27 and verse 28 of John chapter 20. And this is Jesus speaking to doubting Thomas. It says, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. That's a great confession. I'd like to call it a confession of faith, and perhaps it is, but it's faith based on what Thomas has seen. Therefore, it's not considered with the same strength as faith in something you haven't yet seen. Remember, faith is not blind. Faith will see the end result of what it believes. It's just that we believe first and we see second. But in Thomas's case, he saw first and he believed second. So this is not the way it's supposed to work, and Jesus will make that very plain very soon. But in addition to all that, Thomas does make a sound declaration. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is God. But that's not enough to see him like that. We have to see him as our Lord, or more personally, my Lord 
and my God. Jesus adopts us, and we adopt him. God adopts us, and we adopt God too. In fact, that's how it's all meant to be. And when this adoption happens, we're not just mere believers. We're not just members of Christ's church. We belong to Christ's family. In fact, he'll refer to us as brethren, and we use that collectively for male and female. It's, it's very inclusive. And God is now called our God, both individually and collectively. After all, we want to belong to God, and we never want said of us, I never knew you, depart from me, workers of iniquity. No, we want him to say, when we appear before him, well done, good and faithful servant. So this lesson is about Thomas doubting no more. There will be more peace uttered by Christ to the apostles. Then Jesus gives Thomas personal attention. He's going to coach him out of his doubt and unbelief and then restore him fully. And then he'll make the Lord himself an amazing declaration about those who believe before they see are indeed truly blessed. We will learn that Jesus did many other signs and that what is written in John's gospel is to inspire faith. I want to read to you now the entire portion from John chapter 20, verses 26 to 30. Our lesson is called Thomas Doubts No More, based on John 20, 26 to 31. This is God's word. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered, and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye may have life through his name. These masterful words are God's words, and they're found in John 20, verses 26 to 31. Remember this lesson is called, Thomas Doubts No More. It's rather interesting because Thomas, according to church history, went on to be a great apostle, and he traveled perhaps further than any of the other apostles. He is known to have gone all the way to India, to Chennai, also known as Madras. And in fact, that's where he, I think, was martyred and, of course, buried. And even though India, of course, is predominantly a Hindu nation, there still seems to be some respect that they hosted St. Thomas of India. Now, that's how church history describes him, but that's not how the Bible describes him. We're glad that he did what he did after the New Testament was uh, written, or shall we say, during the time of the New Testament, but it's not recorded in the New Testament that Thomas went to India. What is recorded is that Thomas exercised defiant doubt. Now, all of us can suffer from doubt, but defiant doubt 
and persistent doubt, the Lord will definitely condemn. If it's just momentary, short-lived doubt, it's, it's human. And hopefully we can uh, grow out of it as we mature in Christ. But in this case, Thomas needed a thunderbolt revelation, and so Jesus gave it to him. He personally appeared to him and showed him exactly what he needed to see. But in any case, Thomas is going to be cured of his doubts to go on to be the great apostle to India, but we still know him popularly, affectionately, but also realistically as Doubting Thomas. So let's begin with verse 26 of John 20, more peace from Christ. Jesus has risen from the dead, and according to God's plan, is showing himself to select people. First, to Mary Magdalene, not far from his tomb. Then later that evening, to the surviving disciples in what we think is a locked room in Jerusalem area. Thomas was not present at that night meeting, and when told that the Lord had risen indeed and appeared to the others, he remained unconvinced. Instead, in a statement of, as I call it, defiant doubt, he declares that he will not believe unless the following conditions are met. He must see the nail-pierced hands. All right, and there's more. He must also not only see the nail-pierced hands, he must see the, the side and put his hand on the side as well as his hand on the nail-pierced hands. So yes, let's summarize it. I've got to see the hands. I've got to touch the hands. I've got to touch the side. Without these conditions, Thomas would not believe. For one of the twelve disciples to speak in this manner was stunning. Thomas was a witness to all the sermons, discourses, deeds of power that Christ had to offer in his earthly ministry, both in Galilee, in Jerusalem, and wherever else he went. Now, Thomas knew that Jesus was credible. No promise was left unkept. No word could be proven false. No smudge could be found in his character. Yet, the doubting disciple had the audacity to basically not submit to faith, but to play hard-to-get hardball with the revelation of the risen Christ. Fortunately, despite Thomas's inexcusable stance and outright refusal to believe, the grace of God was still available to him. This is part of what we call the long-suffering of the Lord. Again, be careful with that term. Long-suffering doesn't mean God is suffering a long time. God doesn't suffer as we understand suffering. Oh, he has feelings, and he's got very passionate feelings, but to say suffering is, is a stretch. What it simply means, God has legendary patience. That's what long-suffering is. That he puts up with the nonsense that nobody else could or would. So the grace of God, his long-suffering, will be made available to Thomas. After eight days, the disciples are gathered together, and this time Thomas was with them. Perhaps he was curious enough not to miss out on the action, just in case Jesus showed up. Which, sure enough, despite the shut and probably locked doors, Jesus shows up. Now, one of my friends from many years ago when I was in uni, a pretty solid Christian at that time, and I hope he still is, but he made a statement, nowhere does the Bible say 
that Jesus walked through walls. Well, the Bible doesn't say it, and the Bible doesn't deny it either. We don't know. All we know is that it is a closed room, and Jesus appears. No door was open. He just appears, as far as we can tell. I don't want to make doctrines about resurrected bodies on the basis of these verses. All we know is, obviously, Jesus was not limited by closed doors. And friends, there may be a lesson for us all in this. If our Savior, risen from the dead, is not held back by closed doors, that when we live our lives looking for God-given opportunities, which at the moment seem like closed doors, follow the Savior. He is adept at defying closed doors. Believe, and the doors that seem to be bolted shut are going to spring open for you. So, Jesus says his classic statement, peace be unto you. And then in John twenty twenty seven, addressing Thomas. After speaking to the group, Jesus focuses like a laser beam on Thomas himself. Though the Lord was not physically present when Thomas expressed his doubts, have no fear, Jesus knows everything. So he commands Thomas, take your finger and feel my hand. Now reach out with your own hand and thrust it into my side. Of course, that's where he was pierced by the spear. It was probably a hand's breadth in length. And of course, out came blood and water. But now Jesus was totally restored. See for yourself, empirically, by your senses, that it is me, myself. Now, stop this nonsense of doubt and start believing. What a healthy, needful, life-giving rebuke. Would to God we all heeded this message to heart. Stop doubting and start believing. Now, remember with snowflake-like, thin-skinned, prima donna kind of attitudes, we need to toughen up and listen to what Jesus is saying. Stop doubting and start believing. Do you want your world to change? Start believing. Do you want yourself to personally change? Start believing. Do you want to see miracles happen? Start believing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13, verse 8. At last, Thomas believes. John twenty twenty eight. By now, Thomas was almost lost for words. It really was the Lord, and he has indeed risen from the dead. What else could he say but this amazing and simple declaration? My Lord, and Lord, of course, means master, and my God, acknowledging the very point of identity the Gospel of John seeks to prove. That's why we call this series the Son of God. That Jesus the Messiah is also the Son of God is without question. Note that Jesus does not correct Thomas's words about being Lord and God. There was no need to, because it's the truth. And then John twenty twenty nine, Jesus declares the people who are truly blessed. The Lord puts everything in proper perspective. While he did not dispute Thomas's declaration, my Lord and my God, it really was not based on faith, because seeing preceded believing. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 6, which of course is the faith chapter, is very clear on this point. Without faith, it is impossible 
to please God. It is right to say that the right things provided it is said in faith. Thomas gets no brownie points for his belated declaration, but Jesus shows him what he needs to do next time. So let me reiterate, Thomas's faith, if we can call it that, or belief, was based on what he saw. Then the Lord goes on to say that people who are truly blessed are the ones who have not yet seen, but they still believe. Because if you want to gain God's approval, commendation, and blessing, then start believing. Augustine of Hippo, the ancient theologian, made this statement, Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. John 20, verse 30, unrecorded signs. John then states a very important fact. Jesus did many other signs. Let me repeat that. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. John may be referring to all signs done during his earthly ministry, or he may have been meant, in a limited sense, signs done after his resurrection. Whether it's his whole ministry or after the resurrection, let's understand that doing these many signs in front of his followers was meant to reinforce their faith in him and their commitment to preach the gospel, which will extend God's kingdom. And then finally, John 20, verse 31. The signs have been recorded in this gospel of John. Remember the seven miracles? All of them have a very noble and life-giving purpose. That once you read of these signs, you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah or Christ. Synonyms also include Son of David, Offspring of David, Messianic King in a Messianic Kingdom, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and even the title under which he was crucified, King of the Jews. There is a second point of identity we must believe, that Jesus of Nazareth is also the Son of God. The entire Gospel of John goes to great lengths to prove both points, Jesus' Messiahship and Jesus' sonship. We should clearly respond, mission accomplished. I believe. What is the end result of believing in the twofold identity of Jesus as Christ and Son of God? We will have life, abundant life, fruitful life, fulfilled life, and eternal life in his name. Now, our lesson is called Thomas Doubts No More. And our lesson for life is this. The pathway to life is by faith, and that faith needs to be in Jesus of Nazareth as Christ and Son of God. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.